morning. Hey, here is a morning. Huh? Jesus, I pray for your peace this morning. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray for your power this morning that you would fill this place. Um, hmm. I pray that each of us would encounter you, God. God, I... Um, Jesus, you are the good news, and I just get a sense, uh, just need to pray into that. Um, good news for everyone here, everyone out there, God. Whatever that means, Holy Spirit, just come. In Jesus' name.
something with me just let's just say his name Jesus yeah Jesus what a beautiful name that is Jesus call out your name Jesus Just stay in this space as the Lord's speaking to us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, in your name, demons tremble. In your name, darkness flees. Jesus, in your name, we find salvation. Jesus, in your name, we have hope. Jesus, in your name, we get to see a glimpse of the glory of heaven. Jesus, in your name, we are healed. Jesus, in your name, we are restored. Jesus, in your name, we are forgiven. Jesus, in your name, we are whole. Jesus, in your name, we are worthy of 
being sons and daughters of the Most High God. Jesus, in your name, we find our true identity, who we really are. Jesus, in your name, there is peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Jesus, through your name, we can see ourselves through your eyes and know that we are good enough. Jesus, in your name, we can take risks. Jesus, in your name, there's unity. We're going to be taking communion this morning. Um, so if you got communion when you came in, um, before we do that, one thing I'd like to encourage you last week, um, God was just, he was really moving in our midst. The Holy Spirit was with us. And um, we had someone who had a word kind of come in after that I wanted to share because I felt like it was really good and it was very, it was very right. Um, sometimes we have stuff in our lives that act as kind of a, a log jam to God's spirit moving in us. It might be unforgiveness between each other. It might be unforgiveness for a family member or somebody we work with. It might be an area of brokenness that we have in our lives that we just don't want to give over to God. Um, it might be an area in our life where, you know, we're just so hurt and we're so protective of it that we just don't want to give that that stuff to God. Um, and a lot of times when it comes to unforgiveness where we just can't forgive somebody, you know, most of the time, at least for me, I can't do it on my own. I literally need the Holy Spirit to show me how to forgive, like how, how to let it go, how to give it up. And so sometimes our prayer can be as simple as, Holy Spirit, would you show me how to do what it is I can't do? <laughs> you know, I think of the centurion as he's talking to Jesus. Lord, I don't believe. Help my unbelief. Um, and in some of those areas where we just don't want to give it over to God, or we can't even see how we can heal from a brokenness that we have in us that's, that's keeping us distant from God, it's just saying that prayer of, Lord, would you show me how to do that which I can't even understand how to do? Like, I, you know, Jesus, I don't even know where to start. Can you help me with that? So what I want to do this morning is I'm going to pray over all of us, um, and we're going to take communion together. Um, so if you could go ahead and just open your packet kind of in preparation, I'm going to do that too. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and pray over the elements. And Lord Jesus, you asked us to take communion to remember what you did for us on the cross, that your body was broken for us, that your blood was poured out for us, 
that you did all of that for us. Lord Jesus, your word says that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And in the midst of our complete brokenness, you still loved us enough to die for us and that you went through all of that pain, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational pain for our sake, Jesus. And Lord, we're grateful. We thank you for that, Lord. So Lord, I ask that you would bless these elements, Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you bless these communion elements? Lord, as we remember your sacrifice for us, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness, that our sins are forgiven. All we have to do is accept that free gift that you give us, God. Meet us where we are, Holy Spirit. Give us this moment, the sacred moment, as we follow the commands of Jesus and take the bread and take the juice and remember you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. Amen. When the day has run its course, you are the goodness. Oh, my sweetest friend, you are the avalanche that falls upon us in the end. You are my reward. The years have failed us. Oh, my sweetest friend, you are the house around us. You are the goodness in the end. Oh, and everything I ever wanted, it is found in you. Upon us in 
everything, oh, and everything I ever wanted, it is found in you. Oh, and everything I ever wanted, it is found in you.
reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Oh, your righteousness is like the mighty mountain. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. I will lift my high voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my high strength in the shadow.
Stay standing. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we declare freedom this morning. Lord, every shackle, every chain, every binding, on the Lord. He's here, but he's got more. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, Lord, we loose every captive, anyone who is, who is bound by the enemy, Lord God. We speak freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. Freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from addiction in the name of Jesus Christ. sound a little strange, but um, go with me, Lord. I I pray against the spirit of, of or the um, it's like this commingled thing. It's like a bad habit that's tied in with the enemy, kind of twisting it. Um, but Lord, I pray against anyone in the room today, Lord God, who um, they try to cause themselves pain. Lord, I just bind that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, 
Lord, I speak your freedom starting today, Lord God. Starting today, Lord Jesus. Lord, freedom from from self-inflicted pain, whether it be emotional or mental or physical, spiritual, Lord God, whatever arena that's happening in, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask for your freedom for whoever that's for, Lord God. Freedom in you, Lord Jesus. Freedom in you, Lord. God, your banner over us is love. It says that in your scripture. And that includes loving ourselves and accepting your love for us. So, Lord, I just, I publicly proclaim that, Lord, we receive your love this morning, God. We receive that overwhelming love that you have for us, Jesus. The never-ending love you have for us. The wall that breaks down doors and kicks down walls to get at us. We receive your love today, Jesus. We're not worthy of it, and you give it to us all the same. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. (laughs) We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. So if, if any of what we were praying was for you, with what Christy said was for you, what I want you to do is just I want you to stand, and we're going to sing through this again. And I want you to sing these lyrics as a prayer to God. I just want you to cut loose, give everything you have, and just and give it to the Lord.
Jesus, all glory, all honor, all victory belongs to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. Jesus, we thank you that you are not some dead God of wood and stone, but you are a living, active God who wants relationship with us and who wants to be with us, who wants to heal us and restore us and renew us and meet us right where we are here today. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and honor and glory, Jesus. You are the victor. You're worthy of all of our worship, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to do one quick announcement and then have you guys kind of greet each other and we can all take a moment to gather ourselves. Um, thank you, worship team. Uh, so uh, coming up in October, we're going to do, we're going to serve our community. Um, you'll see some flyers around. Kat, I think you put some flyers over there. Are there some at the front? Not yet. That's okay. You're going to see lots of them, and we're going to continue to announce it. So just know that that's something that's coming, um, that we're going to serve our community on that day, on the 31st, and uh, we would love your help with that. So I'm going to keep that short because I'm a We've already kind of cut into my lovely wife is going to be speaking today. So we're stoked about that. It's going to be amazing. She'll bring it. It's already been brought in. Um, so if I could get everybody to stand up. Stand up. Go greet someone. Say hello. And we're going to get going here in just a few minutes. Okay, if we could have you all kind of make your way back to your seat. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Can you guys hear me? Yes? Okay. Dusty, could you tell me how, what time? And that clock is five minutes slow. Yeah. Just reminding myself. <sighs> so good morning, everybody. Good morning, church. Uh, I'm Christy Aronson, also known as Chris Aronson, uh, also known as Dusty's wife. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited to share with you guys this morning kind of i'm also really nervous and kind of scared but it's all good so to start with is there an echo or is it just me okay just checking um i wanted to start off with something just a picture of our current life right now <laughs> people have asked uh you know cormac our one and only has gone off to college and so technically we're empty nesters but as you can see we still have some baby birds in our home that are seeking attention so I like to share stories about Merlin Merlin is preparing to jump on my shoulder at that point as I'm trying to get ready this morning so that's my life <laughs> um, I chose this title more to this life because I feel like that's a theme for me um, the reality is that life is always more than what we think it is right we have our limited awareness and limited understanding uh, and this is just a reminder that there's always more than what we are seeing. So we are so much more than we are. Um, again, I have limited awareness and understanding of who I am, and I think I know, but you guys know stuff about me that I don't even know, right? So just always remembering that there's always so much more, um, things that are just above and beyond what we know. And I'm sharing my story today, and it's uniquely my own. There's no one else on this earth that has my story, right? I'm one of a kind. Um, just as you each have your own stories and you are unique, there's no one else on this earth, past or present or future, that will have your story. And my story is not l less worthy or more important um, because they are all just different and there is value in each of them. So I'm saying that as much as a reminder to myself because I get those thoughts of like, why am I the person sharing the story? Other people have more important things to say. So I just wanted to kind of be transparent and share that as well as remind myself. Okay, so let's go ahead and stop and pray. Um, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. This morning and throughout my life, I just pray, Father God, that you would be able to use this opportunity to, to speak to us, uh, that there may be parts of my story that would be an opportunity for you to reveal yourself more, uh, to enhance your, our relationship with you and our relationship with one another. So, and your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So it's been interesting thinking about 
back on how God has shown up in my life and trying to think about what to share with you today. And it's been hard. To, I have to be honest. I've been tempted to dodge it. <laughs> uh, it's scary to be vulnerable and to share. Um, and I know it's important. I know that it's good because in being vulnerable, I can be known and you can know me. And that brings us all together more as a community. So it's important to be able to, to kind of testify what God has done uh, because we need those reminders, right? We need, to, we need to know and be reminded. It's easy to forget in our crazy lives. So again, my hope is that you can see and hear how God has made a difference in my life. So I grew up in Yakima. I'm the youngest of six children, and I went to Mass every Sunday with my parents. When I was a young child, I loved going to church. Uh, my first real memory of God was calling him on my play telephone at night to talk to him and play and pray. Um, I can remember the sense of fondness and you know, telling him about my day, uh, and it was a real experience for me. Uh, obviously, the play telephone wasn't, you know, it didn't function. But for me, it was like a legit thing. It worked. Um, and that was my first anchor point in my relationship with God. Um, and I wonder at my innocence at that young age and the innocence of, of children. I kind of wish I could go back to that time. Um, just that pure knowledge and knowing and being known by God. So my family was pretty involved in church. My dad was an usher and counted tithe. My mom was a Eucharistic minister, which meant that she helped with communion. Uh, my brother and I went through CCD, which are the classes to learn about sacraments and what it means to be Catholic. Uh, when I was nine years or, or older so, I joined the choir with all the adults and got my mom and dad to join too. So I was like the only kid in the crowd of 20 people um, that we would sing the songs on during mass, um, but I loved it. And at St. Paul's, I always had this sense of sacredness, of holiness, of um, that I just really associate with Catholicism and just that sense of awe of God. But as I got older, God started to feel more distant. Like he's way up there, I'm way down here. And life was uh, very much a distraction for me. So my second anchor point, let's see. Oh yeah, that was my first anchor point. My second anchor point, that's St. Paul's, was, came from a dream of all things. So I used to have a lot of scary dreams when I was a kid, but this particular dream was a great one. Um, in my dream, I dreamt that I was at the beach, and the sand was glittering, just beautiful. Not overwhelming, just beautiful. And the ocean, there were blue and green, blue-green waves of, of water that were just so amazing to me. And I found myself at this house, and in this house, there were rooms, and they were filled with all the things that I love in life, um, all the things that were important to me. So there was like a room of music, and there was a room of flowers and smell of roses, and, and there were other things that I, I can't remember, but I remember just that there were rooms of all those things. And the verse that came to my mind with that dream was John 14, 1 through 4. So do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I was going, uh, if I, <laughs> would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back 
and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. God has a place for me, and he has a plan. Um, and that is another kind of anchor point that I always go back to. Um, anchors, right, are things that help us uh, to have stability. They help us to stay so that we don't drift, that we don't get tossed by the waves of life. Um, and we can recenter ourselves if we accidentally, like, lift our anchor up. Like, okay, let's replant it, <laughs> remind ourselves. So this one was a huge one for me, that reminder that God has a place for me, um, that this world is not the only thing, the, that we have a future and a hope. So whenever I hit the down arrow, it goes all the way down. So that experience really tethers me to God, that assurance that he does have that place and plan and that I get to be there someday. And I really, honestly, I long for that. So my life became less impacted by faith outside of church until I got involved in Young Life in middle school. Every year around Easter with Young Life, there's a crosstalk, uh, which talking about Jesus' death on the cross and his sacrifice for us. And my first experience of that was in middle school, listening to my best friend's dad, Don Stuber, uh, sharing about Jesus's love and how he was died on the cross and um, that he died for us because of his love and that all he wants is to be in relationship with him. And for me at that time, that made sense. <laughs> like on a real intellectual level, uh, I was like, yeah, he gave up all of that. The least I could do would be to have a relationship with him. So I started leaning in and learning more. Um, so again, this was an anchor point for me of just that active choice that, okay, I'm, I'm in this. I'm going to pursue this relationship. So started leaning in, reading the Bible, praying, going to any Young Life event or camp or meeting. I invited others to Young Life. I also looked at my own behavior and made some changes in terms of like, you know, what would God want from me? And, you know, it's middle school. Kind of start doing unexpected things. <laughs> um, you know, maybe teasing people, maybe uh, using, you know, cuss words and that sort of thing. And so I, myself, for me, I felt a bit convicted and felt like, you know, that, that it was ugly for me to speak that way to people. And so that was a choice I made in, at that point. And I've pretty much carried that forward in terms of, you know, choosing not to, to have that kind of language because um, it felt disrespectful to others and, and such. So going to high school, uh, I continued to do all the things. Um, I went to Malibu. I went to breakaway and fall camp. I went to winter camp and learned to ski. Uh, I was, but I, at the same time, I was starting to struggle because uh, I had experienced some things that I decided I was going to try and forget uh, that were really hard. And so when I was 13, there was one particular incident that, that impacted me. And I had a lot of shame around it and guilt and blame, confusion, fear. Um, 
and judgment. So I tried really hard to avoid it. Whenever it'd start kind of popping up, I'd be like, nope, not thinking about that. Push that away. And I'd get really busy in other things. Uh, however, it started to haunt me, and I was starting to drown in my despair. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to die. It was intolerable at times. And I beat myself up constantly on the inside. So on the outside, I was super involved. I looked pretty good, smiling. You know, I was doing all the things. I was involved with school and work. I was involved with Young Life. And uh, I was a picture of a good student. I played varsity soccer. I ran in track. I was in a play. I was an editor on the school paper. Um, I was uh, invited to leadership and faith conferences, and I was a natural helper. I was an honor student. Uh, I was National Honor Society. And when I was home, uh, I tried not to be home. Uh, but when I was home, I would study. Or I'd be on the phone with friends. And I avoid so much going to bed because that's when my mind would start getting quiet. And I would just get overwhelmed. And uh, I just continued to try and distract myself from the pit of despair that I found myself in. So living this way caused me to crash every three months or so because I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> I was going so much and I was super stressed. And it would take me a couple days of just sleeping to recover. So the other side of it is growing up in my house, we didn't really talk about bad things. Uh, it just wasn't a norm. If I was upset, it was probably because I was tired. So I remember that even from a young age of if I was, and I was a very sensitive and emotional kid. Like if, if someone was upset or angry, I would, I would want to help them. Uh, I became known for a phrase, put your cheeks up, which meant to smile <laughs> because it was hard for me to see people that were not smiling. Uh, if my brother got in trouble, which he tended to do because he had a sharper tongue than I did, uh, I was there to protect him from being spanked or being yelled at. Please don't hurt my brother. Uh, so that was, so, so I had lots of feelings. And my dad, I love my dad, but he didn't really know what to do with bad news or difficult topics. I remember walking home from dance class when I was 11 and my mom telling me that her mom, so my mom's from Ireland, her mom, who's in England, had died. And I remember standing in the bathroom with her and her putting her head on my shoulder and crying and me holding her uh, because it wasn't something that my dad could do. So I remember too, one day my dad came in and said, you know, hey, how was your day? I was like, it was terrible. He's like, that's great. He walks out. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, again, just uh, so hard to talk about difficult things. Um, you know, and I remember, I remember his attempts to make me happy or to show that he loved me. And that was through buying things or getting things that, that he knew I would want. And that was, you know, for him, that was the best that he could do. It was really hard for him to do more than that. Um, and I tried to recognize that for what it was. Um, but other than that, it was hard for him to engage in real conversations and to talk about hard things. So we stuck to the, you know, hey, what'd you have for lunch? How was the weather? Um, as I started to struggle with my thoughts and emotions in high school, I had a lot of conflict with my mom. 
and there was a year that I felt like I couldn't do anything right. I was walking on eggshells. So if I looked at her, then I was being defiant. But if I didn't look at her, I was being disrespectful. If I initiated a conversation, it could be I'm trying to control something. If I didn't speak up, then I was hiding something. And I just felt like I never knew, like I couldn't win. Um, and I couldn't figure it out. It was, it was hard. And there were a lot of things that, like I couldn't figure out how to avoid causing a fight. And there were a lot of things that were said and done that were really hurtful. And one thing I remember is her telling me, I don't know what I did to deserve a daughter like you. And that kind of destroyed me because I'm like, I thought I was pretty good. Like, you know, I go to school, I'm getting good grades, I'm working, I'm going to church every Sunday, and I try to be a good person, even though, like, we're having this fight and stuff. I try to be respectful because the whole, like, honor your mother, you know, honor your parents in the Bible, but it was just really hard. I remember uh, I like to study with the radio on, and she came in and wanted me to turn it off, and I was surprised, like, well, I, I was just studying, it actually kind of helps me, and then that turned into, you know, you're not listening, you're being disrespectful, you're defying me, and then my dad comes in, what's all the fuss, and then that led to this big escalation of, you know, I'm just going to pack my bags and leave, and so there was always this, like, <laughs> again, uh, I'm the cause of this, I somehow went from studying with the radio on to now my family's going to break apart or something. Um, and that was kind of an ongoing theme throughout my life, even as a child. But again, I had kind of forgotten a lot of that until later on. So with all the stress, I was struggling. I was having suicidal thoughts and taking risks with medications. I talked to my best friend about my thoughts, which really freaked her out. So that told me, this is not something you share with friends. <laughs> uh, so I went on the pretense that, that I was fine. It's fine. Uh, one night, I made an attempt to end it, and I heard very clearly, I did not bring you into this world to kill yourself. And I thought, there has to be more. So that became a huge anchor for me and a real clear division, a wall, if you will, that that couldn't go that direction. So that redirected my attention to what can I do then? How can I cope with this? How can I tolerate this and get through it? So, and it makes complete sense, right? God didn't bring us in for that. That's not why he created us. He has a purpose for us. You know, we are his sons and daughters. He loves us. And it reminds me of what, Tammy, what you shared a while back of, like, how he'll take our artwork and put on his fridge and just be, like, delight in what we're doing. And, and that's, that's who God is, right? You know, Ryan, you are his son, and he delights in you. You know, Jessica, you are his daughter, and he is so fond of you. And each and every one of you, you are his child, his creation. He has so much more for you than this present moment than this present hardship, than this pandemic, than this stress, whatever it may be. There is so much more. So we don't know what that looks like, but God does. And when we can get past our hardship, past our struggle, whether it's a day, a week, a year, five years, ten years, we can get back on the other side of it and look back with more wisdom and understanding we may not always 
understand why or agree, but at least there's something in that, what, what came out on the other side? Making me stronger, drawing closer to God, drawing close to, closer to people, um, valuing life more. So the verse that I, that really got to me at that time that I clung to was I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I joke with Ashley about this. It's not some things, it's all things. All things, we can do all things, everything, no matter what comes our way, all things. All is all, 100%. So then what? I was still struggling and I found that I had that anchor uh, I, I leaned more into Young Life. I became a junior leader at the middle school and spent time at Foursquare for meetings and such, which is where we had, uh, where is where I got to know Dusty. Yay! Uh, my senior year was spent with college Young Life friends and college Foursquare friends uh, because I, I felt separated from my peers in school who couldn't really relate to what I was going through. Uh, I hung out with Dusty and his friend Jonathan and others who were often at the church and we became great friends. I went on a road trip with Wayne Purdom and Connie before they were dating uh, to Frontier Ranch, Young Life in Colorado, and they could see that I was struggling, but again, nope, I'm good. Uh, I went to a Young Life leadership conference that fall and really felt during the prayer time that God was hounding me to share my story. And I was like, I think I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so <laughs> again, avoid, avoid, avoid. So I walked out, and wouldn't you know, Wayne was right there. I was like, apparently I have to talk to someone. So I talked with some leaders, got prayer for, and I just, I felt weight lifted. It wasn't fixed, but I felt supported. I felt carried. So in June, where am I? Oh, yeah, I forget to click this. So that was senior year. That was the frontier camp on the upper corner, and then fall camp on the lower so in June 1992, I graduated from high school, much to my surprise. <laughs> it was such a surreal experience because I was so excited. I didn't, I just never expected myself to graduate. And I know that probably sounds weird, but I just didn't think that that, I just, again, I couldn't see a future for myself. So I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And look, I got through that dark time in my life. I survived it. Um, and I wanted to tell people, like, hey, can you believe I made it? But they'd probably be like, well, duh, like, you're, you're a good student, and, you know, you've got the cords saying that you're a special honor or whatever. <laughs> but for me, it was just like, wow, this is amazing. Um, so at this time, my brother had finished his second year at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, and I'd visited him in the fall on campus, and I had stayed with his girlfriend and now current wife who was going to St. Mary's College, which is across the street from Notre Dame. Um, I had applied to a couple of colleges and was set to go to Wazoo, but I just wasn't feeling it. And so in the spring, always last minute, I changed my mind and decided I was gonna do something different. I was gonna go to St. Mary's, which is an all girls Catholic school in the Midwest where it's very flat. <laughs> and most people that go to that college are from the East Coast and the Midwest. So I was the one, there were only two people there from Washington State. Um, and the other gal was a senior and I was a freshman. So I felt I needed a change. Something completely different, maybe that would help me 
and I wanted to understand more about Catholicism as, a, as an adult, what it meant. I wanted the adventure of starting someplace new, and so that summer I worked two jobs on top of my current job um, to save money for school. And two weeks before I left for college, one of my young life college friends died in a car accident coming home from work at Cleellum. And that was really unexpected. I had experienced losses before, but they were kind of distant or um, not as close in terms of relationship. Um, but Aaron, I knew, and this, this was close and I felt it deeply. It shook my understanding of life and I couldn't really make sense of it. Like how, why isn't, she could be in Tacoma, right? Her stuff is still there. <laughs> uh, so it, how is it that she's not even on this earth anymore? I couldn't wrap my head around it. And it was a struggle. So this, there was this big hole where Aaron was. And we were trying to kind of pull the, you know, pull the loose ends together and make sense of it and move on without her. Um, again, this wasn't on the calendar. I like things, you know plan for things. I like to have things predictable. Um, why would God take someone in the prime of their life who's making a positive impact on people? It was, a, I just couldn't, couldn't get that. Um, but Dusty went with me to Aaron's funeral. You guys came back from your mission trip and I was like, I don't want to go by myself. So you went with me. And a week later, I got on a plane by myself to go to college in Indiana I look back at that, my parents would tell the story of like, oh, we took Michael to Notre Dame and we helped him set up his dorm and we walked away and we were so sad. And after like the third telling, I was like, you realize that you didn't even come with me. <laughs> like I got on a plane, I flew like four planes, I took a taxi that dropped me off at the dorm and that I had my stuff in boxes that had been mailed to me. I don't know, it just, and it just was what it was. Didn't seem weird at the time, but St. Mary's was great. They had great classes, I made friends. I joined the Notre Dame football fan wagon, go Irish. Um, and looking back, it was an amazing experience, but the year itself was hard. I fell again into depression and anxiety. I blamed it on being so far from the mountains and the Pacific Northwest and everything that I knew. I came home for Christmas and begged to transfer schools and started looking at options. So I applied to Portland State University and Western. Looking at costs, I went with Western. Once I knew that St. Mary's was not forever, I started to enjoy myself. <laughs> I started to appreciate the experience. Um, where am I? Oh, there's St. Mary's. So this became kind of another life lesson for me because I sometimes wonder what would have happened had I stayed, had I pushed through that and experienced more. Um, so this, I share this with lots of people who go to college now or to the military or whatever, just as an encouragement of like, when you go away, it will be hard. You will be homesick. You will want to give up and it'll, it can consume you. However, if you can remind yourself that your life, you know, that that time, again, it's, it's short in duration. It's not going to last forever and just make the most of that opportunity because that opportunity will end, right? So the idea to experience what you can while you have the opportunity. Um, and I put that quote from Ecclesiastes because again, everything has a season. Very rarely does anything last forever. So I moved to Western 
Ironically, I moved myself into the dorms again, <laughs> except this time my oldest sister gave me a hand. I lived in my, in my apartment in Fairhaven with three friends, and it was a crazy year, but uh, I, again, was str still struggling with depression and anxiety. I was struggling with my identity in Christ, and it's ironic that we had communion today. I didn't know that was happening, and we sang the songs that we sang about his reckless love because I did not feel worthy of his sacrifice or his love for me. Um, and I went to, at the end of first quarter, I went to a communion service at one of the campus ministries, and I, I couldn't accept communion because uh, I didn't feel like I was worthy. If I accepted communion, then that meant that I was saying I could do that, and I couldn't, and that realization left me cold. So um, I went home, put my... Bible and stuff away, because if I can't accept Christ, I'm, I can't really call myself a Christian. So it was finals week. I didn't sleep much that week. Uh, my friend Heidi, Aaron's sister, uh, drove, I went with her home, and we stopped in Ellensburg, stayed at a friend's overnight for some reason. I don't know why now, but, and I didn't talk much because I was sleeping. I was tired. Um, and in the morning, as we drove into Yakima, she said, Chris, this is kind of weird, but I feel like God gave me a vision and wants me to share it with you. Okay, that's different, but I'm open. Um, and in this vision, she said, I was standing there, and Jesus was about 10 feet away, and he was calling my name, Chris. Chris. And I wasn't answering. So he came over. He put his fingers under my chin and lifted my chin so I had to look in his eyes. And he pointed to his eyes and he said, this is where you draw your strength. I love you. And then he held me like a parent, smoothed my hair, and just told me that he loved me. And I said, thanks, that was amazing. I'm just going to get my stuff now and go inside. <laughs> <laughs> went inside and, you know, fell to my knees and just was wrecked because God knew, right? Like, hello, hello, you're not hearing me. <laughs> I'm going to use someone else. So that rocked my world. Um, that reminder that he is where I draw my strength. He is my anchor. And I noticed that if I'm relying on me, if I'm starting to struggle, it's probably because I'm relying on me. I forget. I lose my focus. And so that's a challenge. So God loves me. God loves me no matter what I've done or failed to do, or if I think I deserve it, if I've earned it or not, just like the song. And my only choice, I understood grace for the first time, was that this is a gift freely given, and it's totally my choice if I'm going to accept it or not. That's, that's all there is. I don't have to do anything else. So that was humbling for me, and another anchor that reminds me, again, that I can't do this on my own. Going back to Western, I got more involved uh, in campus ministries, and this group of friends, we did some events on campus. We did, like, Easter stock, talking about, is Jesus a uh, liar, lunatic, or Lord? Um, we had a, they did a, they were in a Christian band and did a concert on campus, and we, you know, would pray on campus. And it was interesting because we, we'd get pushback. Like at the Easter stock thing, someone came in wearing an aboriginal mask and streaked through the, <laughs> through the auditorium. And during the concert, someone cut the power cord 
like didn't just like unplug it, but cut them. So we went acoustic. Uh, we had people that would protest us praying. Um, and it's not that we were like in people's faces about it. It was really like we would just do things just talking to people like, hey, how are you doing? I want to get to know you. Tell me about, you know, what you believe. Uh, we were very interested at college, right? And that's the time to have those conversations. I remember driving in Vancouver, BC, and we went to McDonald's and uh, there was a person who was hungry and we bought them a meal. We prayed for that person. I remember driving and seeing some ladies working the, the street. And I just had this sense from God too of like, there is very little difference between me and them. Like they have as much value as it's down to events and choices in life that people have kind of come to where they are, um, but it doesn't make them any less than or worse or whatever, um, that they too are children of God. And so I felt like that time in my life was, was amazing in terms of just God being real in my life and sharing it with others. Um, in class, sometimes it would come up and I'd have to, felt like I was on the defense. <laughs> You know, a professor would say, Christianity promotes, you know, destroying the environment. Well, <laughs> actually, this is kind of what we believe about the environment, and we actually want to take care of it because it's God's creation. Um, so it, there was a lot of opportunity for, for growth and challenge. Um, I also got some challenge from other Christians uh, when I would say, yeah, I'm Catholic. And they would say, well, Catholicism is satanic. They're not Christians. They're not even a denomination of Christianity. It's like, well, I'm going to disagree. <laughs> there are a lot of people that love God in the Catholic Church, much like any churches, right? Um, there's, you're going to find the, the, the good and maybe the not-so-great examples. Because, um, again, churches are human, so are we. So in the spring of my sophomore year, I feel like we're getting close on time. Yep, it's 11.50. Wow, that does really go fast. Okay. Let's see, where do I want to go from here? Um, I guess sharing, sharing these anchor points, I wanted to be vulnerable. Um, again, I still struggle with the permission to share things. Um, I'm still kind of nervous with the fact that this is going on Facebook and a family member or someone I know may see it, and that's a little scary for me. Uh, but again, it, that's normal, right? It's part of being known and having those real deep conversations. Uh, I wanna, I'm hoping that in the course of talking, the story that I shared, um, that there were pieces there that maybe God is highlighting to you. And I kind of wanted to leave with just making time to think about what are those times in your life that are anchor points? What are those things where God showed up, where you sensed his presence, where you felt like he, was, he, he knew you, he saw you? What are those truths that you learned in those moments? And to pay attention to those uh, intentionally, to recenter ourselves on those things that we know to be true, because... I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person here that struggles with negative thoughts, right? Yeah, anyone else? Okay, yeah, a few. A few people? Okay, yeah. And 
unfortunately, you know, I'm, I'm a mental health person, but our brains are wired for, to notice the negative, and so, you know, always have that voice. Um, I continue to struggle with depression and anxiety. I take medication, and that has helped, but I also have gotten to know it very well. Um, I struggled with the idea of medication. I felt like I was damaged. I'm, you know, I'm weak. Um, there's something wrong with me. And I, it took a number of years to come to accept that it was much like anything else, that um, it just helps my brain to function and have the right levels of all the things, right? Um, but I still struggle with thoughts, and I still struggle with those uh, anxious thoughts and those negative thoughts. And so I have to continue to be aware, again, refocus my attention to what's true, check out my worry thoughts with people, <laughs> get more information so I'm not making assumptions um, to help me remember to, to really see more clearly, I guess. So with that, do we want to just take some time um, and sit and think? Um, if there are things that you feel like God is bringing up to you, just feel free to ask someone around you to pray with you about that. Um, I think there is definite value in, again, speaking your truth and sharing it with someone else um, to get that, I don't even know, that confirmation, I guess. Um, but again, we, were, we weren't meant to live in isolation. So, let's see. Oh, here's evidence. Dusty and I met actually in 1989. <laughs> 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 so, I had to put that slide in. We didn't really know each other. Like he was friend, he was Tracy Galladay's friend, but yeah. And after that, you would call me Bob because you didn't remember my name. So I think like in 1990, 91, you finally knew my name. 91, yeah. I just had to throw that in. We got married in a Catholic church, but it was co-celebrated with Foursquare. Yeah, and I'm just going to skip all of those things. So take a moment about what those moments are when God's kingdom broke through. And what are those truths that you were anchored to? And do we want music? Music people? <laughs> I could try and make music, but that might be distracting. So let's, let's maybe do this as they come up. First of all, thank you to my lovely wife for sharing and being vulnerable and sharing her truth and, and also her supreme skills at being able to ignore distraction. That was impressive. So props. You got, she's got skills in that area. Um, Let's do this. As we go into this last worship song, I want you to dialogue with God about some of the things Chris was talking about. Because um, she brought up some things a lot of times we don't share in church. Struggling with depression, struggling with anxiety, struggling with thoughts of suicide. And, you know, and we like a lot of times, at least in the church I grew up in, you don't talk about, like, much like her house. You don't talk about those things. You just... You put on your smile, you've got your church game face, and you're there to go. And 
one thing that I think is incredibly beautiful about when I came into the vineyard movement, the vineyard church, is seeing a pastor or someone else speaking up front and them struggling with something and just losing it. That would have never happened in the Pentecostal stream that I came from. It would have never happened. Um, but from the beginning, one of the things John Wimber said was that churches should be more like hospitals. Not rooms filled with perfect, sanctified, no problems in their life people. But churches should be hospitals where people can come to be healed and to be restored and to become well. And I, be I believe that to my toes. And it's one of the reasons I'm in the vineyard movement, that that's a core value of the vineyard, is not having to pretend to be perfect. So, with what Chris shared here is those moments where God's kingdom broke through, how do you hear his voice? What truths in your life are you anchored to? As we go into this last bit of worship, um, I'd like you to kind of meditate on those things, to really push into what are the anchor points in my life where God has met me that I can hold on to. And then we're going to go into a, um, a time of prayer. So if you guys wouldn't mind just going through like a chorus or one song and then we'll shift from there. Yeah, please, if you don't mind. Thank you. And I'll slip back into slides. I love five songs. Five, ten, whatever. We'll, we'll do like my... Latino brothers and sisters and end around 3 p.m. I'm really good at pride But I can't take that side So much above my head
kids and we're just so you know we're totally chill with praying with kids here so just go get them they're fine um if you have something that chris said this morning whether it's you know i I feel like a lot of what she was talking about is really our identity what's our identity and our identity in jesus and she talked about how these anchor points um christ was anchoring her in these different areas of her life and who who she was in respect to him and how he saw her and the hope that that Jesus was able to bring her at those points in her life where she was really struggling. So if you're, if you have something that you're wrestling with this morning, um, I'd like you to just reach out to folks who are around you, who are next to you. We can do this kind of in the pews um, and just have them pray for you. Just Share what it is you're walking through. Share what it is you're going through. Share what it is that, you know, maybe Chris shared something that really kind of sparked a thought in your head. You felt the Holy Spirit kind of stirred something up there. I want you to grab somebody next to you and ask them to pray for you. Um, And we're going to end the service there, but you don't have to leave. Um, If the Holy Spirit's doing something with you, press into that, pursue that, um, and and listen to him. Get your fight. Yeah. Um, Fight for your healing. Fight for your healing. Fight to be whole. Fight for God's redemption of all that you are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, whatever it is. Fight for your healing. And we're going to end that there today. Thank you guys. Bless you. Um, yeah I think that's what God has for us today so if you've got kids go grab your kids other than that please reach out to those around you and, and ask for prayer God bless